0: Hello there, you're listening to Artspin on Sin Nation this afternoon. My name is Christian. And I'm Ben. And we recently had the absolute pleasure of going down to Acme to see the Scorsese exhibition. Uh, So for those of you who don't know um, Scorsese, that's Martin Scorsese. So very famous film director. Probably his most famous titles are, what, Taxi Driver, recently The Wolf of Wall Street, Hugo, his first kids film.
1: Goodfellas, King of Comedy. Mm. very, very many films
0: yes, and a lot of sort of crime and family drama stuff, which we'll yeah we'll get to in a moment that one of his themes that this exhibition explores so yeah themes is one of the one of the sections of this exhibition it's it's yeah. organized into various. Sex, such as influences a lot of those Italian films, but also Hitchcock as well, and various other directors and styles. Um, yeah,
1: that's separated into mm-hmm. aspects of filmmaking like cinematography or soundtracks. There's a separate sections for all of those.
0: Yeah, soundtracks and music videos as well. Um, yeah, that he directed for Michael Jackson and the Beatles, and and just yeah, music
1: yeah. in general is a big part of his work.
0: Yeah, and also editing as well. I remember being being one of the sections, or at least a focus, which is, of course, a a very important focus, because the editor, there was one particularly frequently with. Yeah, so his uh,
1: constant collaborator, Mm. Thelma Schoonmaker, has Mm. been working with him for the majority of his career. She is a a very major part of what makes a Scorsese film a Scorsese film. Um, And it's sort of something that maybe not many people consider in general, but in particular, with Scorsese, with the themes and the the pacing of his films, that's very very much down to the editing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and especially with fight sequences and violent scenes and suspenseful scenes, mm. um, a lot of that really does come down to sifting through. All all that raw footage and doing what was at that time, um, you know, in the 70s especially. Scorsese's had a very long career. He's still he still going. has. Yeah, so definitely in the 70s and 80s it was very physically demanding. It was physically cutting up the film. Yeah, literally yeah.
1: getting bits of footage, cutting them, literally cutting them and, and splicing mm. them literally together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it, it said in the exhibition that it took Thelma Schoonmaker three days just to cut the one, the final fight sequence from Raging Bull which is incredible. And I mean, she She won the Oscar for that film, so it's fair enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, deservedly so. And yeah, and that part also was in the influences section as well, I remember, because it was uh, a large inspiration for that was the shower scene in Psycho, actually. And they're only about a decade apart, or a little bit more. Two decades. Um, uh, 1960, 1960,
1: 1980.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not 56 years, which is how old Psycho is now. And speaking of parts of Scorsese's career or, you know, people he worked with or things that he did that don't really get very much public attention outside this exhibition, there was um, a restoration section as well mm. about his campaign um, against, uh, well, basically the poor quality of the prints that Kodak was selling and the fact that all these directors were noticing that their films over time, not that much time, scarily enough, uh, were literally degrading. They were fading away. The colour was changing. There was, there's this letter from uh, Spielberg uh, that was written to Scorsese because he was one of the many directors who really wanted to join this campaign. It was, And he was talking about uh, the fact that the blues and the reds in Jaws, two of the most important colours, were changing. So yeah, this was, this was a widespread and very scary yeah, thing. Yeah, and
1: it was a thing that angered Martin Scorsese in particular, and he wrote a very polemic manifesto in a film magazine that became very widespread, and he would receive all of these letters, including the one from Spielberg, just voicing their support for the venture to restore films. And Scorsese would later you know, go around to various directors and try and influence them to help him out. And later on, he and I believe Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola banded together and formed the Film Foundation, which is responsible for restoring many, many films. Obviously, not all of the films can be restored, but he's done phenomenal work on restoring films. And in particular, there's a little video segment that you can see where Scorsese talks about the restoration of the film The Red Shoes, which was made in 1948. And it's gloriously colorful and just incredible to watch. But if you see the original print and the state of the original negatives, it's really sad to see what could have been, I suppose, if it hadn't been for Scorsese's restoration.
0: True, yeah. And, and well, um, gosh, Coppola, Scorsese and Spielberg, that's certainly a dream team. So they've <laughs> gone quite a bit down in the industry as well. So would you say the restoration part was your favorite part? Or was it's, part it was or one
1: that? of them, most hmm. certainly. That and the um the sort of cinema past was really cool to see. Scorsese is a huge fan of cinema and there's actually a diary where he lists all of the films that he has seen and it's only open to a couple of pages in the exhibition but even there you can see he's been watching at least two films a day or something mm-hmm. like that which is incredible to think how he actually makes any films but that was certainly a favorite part in the sort of cinema history it was definitely one of my favorite bits they had the actual red shoes from the film the red shoes which was very humbling to see just this one relic from one of my favorite films of all time it was really cool to see how about you what was your favorite bit
0: Ah, well, I'm, I've always been the sucker for the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff. So I, I really was interested in um, the notes on the shooting scripts on the scripts and the, the storyboards that were written directly by him as in, you know, by his hand. So mm. in the case of the notes, obviously, that's his direct thoughts just going straight onto the page, which is really fascinating. But the storyboards as well, I, I guess I was quite pleasantly surprised by sort of how um, just in terms of illustrative drawing skill, how pretty, you know, mundane they were. Like there's Mm. there's partly this, I guess it's a misconception that like to be a great visionary director, you also have to be a great drawer like people like Tim Burton are. Not necessarily the case. Like it was sort of, it was a rather sort of humbling, inspiring thing to, you know, just look at the drawing skill and think, oh, okay, that's a drawing that I feel like I could do. Maybe I can't make a film like that. But yeah, the fact that what's important is the vision in your mind's eye. And you know, getting that down well enough on the page for it to be realised, of course, in an actual film.
1: Yeah. And he's been making these storyboards ever since he was a kid. There's a storyboard that was made by him when he was 11 years old, and he says he, at the time, didn't realize it was a storyboard, and what he was doing was really just drawing out a film. And it's this huge Roman epic that he's drawn out with all these scenes, and he's even hand-drawn all the credit sequences and compiled a list of all the actors that he wanted in the film, like Alec Guinness and Jack Hawkins, and it was really fun to see his sort of love of cinema emerging from childhood and it was really nice to see that this this director just started out from making these tiny drawn films
0: yeah yeah well yeah that's because that's the only really you know, way an eleven-year-old who really wants to make a Roman epic—that's the closest they can come. Mm. Yeah, starting from such sort of humble beginnings as well. With like, I know that's a cliche, but of course, that's everyone starts from that sort of that square one position. Yeah, and,
1: and making photographs. Yeah. Um he was very sick as a child, so he wouldn't leave the apartment that he lived in for much. So he took a lot of photographs from his apartment, and mm. it was really inspiring to see that as well. Just all these early photographs where you could kind of see his mind starting to become this. Mm. Uh, film Filmmaker that he is today,
0: yeah. And speaking of his childhood, I guess like his professional childhood—the very first film um, he uh, made—so he had to apply to a big shot, the studio executive for this. And just reading the letter of application that he had to write back in uh, mid '60s, I suppose, when he certainly no one knew who he was. Just to kind of read the the name Martin Scorsese in this letter back when it didn't mean anything was Mm. very very humbling and inspiring, really. I suppose. Definitely. Um, the fact that, that, yeah, that name didn't mean anything until he worked so hard to make it mean something.
1: Absolutely. And probably the entire exhibition is something that is very inspiring as a whole, just because you get to see so much of the sense of how much he's passionate about cinema as an art form. And I would say that even if you're not the world's biggest Scorsese fan, it's probably still worth coming to have a look inside the mind of one of the most prolific directors in cinema history. And certainly the love that he has for cinema is incredibly contagious as well. I certainly wouldn't classify myself as the world's biggest Scorsese fan as a filmmaker, but he's definitely one of my favorite people in film, just because of the way that he loves film and his deep, intricate passion for cinema and the overwhelming love that he has for the Art form.
0: Obviously, I'm sure everyone has watched a film at some point in, in their lives. And everyone has an access point because his career spanned so many decades. You know? So mm. so right from Taxi Driver all the way to the recent ones with Leo DiCaprio and also a children's film as well, Hugo, which is basically also about the history of cinema and, and mm. kind of the most literal, I guess, expression of his love for cinema so I really do think there's something for everyone really here even if you've only seen Shark Tale who knows <laughs> <laughs> so this exhibition is uh, is on at Acme uh, until the 18th of September so um, plenty of time but don't waste it make sure you don't miss this one so Acme opening hours 10am to 5pm except Fridays where it's open late for 9pm um, viewing
1: Acme is also showing Scorsese films concurrently with the exhibition uh, which is ending in mid-June the exhibition is ending in September, but the films are ending in mid June. Mm. And for more information, you can visit the Acme website, acme.net.au. And they actually provide an audio guide that you can listen to on your phone in the exhibition or outside of the exhibition.
0: Yeah. Thanks very much for having us. You've been with uh, myself, Christian.
1: And Ben, yeah. you're listening to Art Smitten here on Sin Nation. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show.